we're going to jump into this um, teaching on fear, I want to warn you that um, some of you are going to be like, I'm not sure about what you're saying right now because I'm going to probably touch on some things that you may have been taught in the past about fear, and we're going to normalize that just a little bit. Um, while we get started, let me give you a list of a few of the phobias that I found. If you just Google phobias, you'll find that there's like hundreds of phobias, and here's a few that I think are hilarious. Um, one, and I, I'm not going to say these right because I'm not in that field. So, um, am, amnesophobia is the fear of amnesia. I think that's funny because you would never remember having it. Amicophobia, amicophobia is the fear of scratches or being scratched. If you have that, you may also have electrophobia, which is the fear of chickens because chickens scratch. Okay. It was so much better than the 9 o'clock. People at home are laughing right now, I'm sure of it. Um, this one was real in my life. It is a pyrophobia. It's the fear of infinity. Anybody else like that? Like if you just stop and think about forever at some point, don't you feel like your head's going to just like blow up? I can remember waking my mother up in the middle of the night crying, and she said, Paul, what's wrong? I can't stop thinking about forever. Apparently I had that phobia. Um, students in the house, you probably have bibliophobia. It's the fear of books. Some of you have decidophobia, which is the fear of making decisions. You have no idea how long I had to decide if I wanted to put that one in there or not. Um, nociophobia. Nociophobia is the fear of knowledge, which you will not have if you have bibliophobia. So you won't ever have to worry about that. Hippophobia, fear of horses. I could tell you stories about that. We don't have time for it in my life, how I've seen that fear play out. And here's one I'm going to have to take my time to read this because I'll never get it right. It's a legit fear. Here we go. Hippo, hippopotomonstrosa delaphobia. It's the fear of long words. It's legit. Like, if you look at it, it's legitimately the fear of long words. Somebody, some, somebody was like, this would be a great idea. Let's make a really long word for people that have a fear of long words. So when the doctor tells them what they have, they'll be like, what, what? <laughs> and some of you this morning could be having homophobia, which is the fear of sermons. But you're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Now, I I'm, I'm, want to be really clear. I'm not making light of fear. Okay, I'm not making light of if you've got a phobia and, and you struggle with that. Like, that's legit, right? What I'm trying to help you see, number one, there's a lot of phobia in the world. And number two, God actually has something to say about that. He wants to speak to fear. He wants to speak to the things that we are afraid of. So much so, you probably heard this before, that 365 times in the Bible, there's the command, do not fear. You ever heard that? One for every day, except the leap year, but just repeat one, you'll be fine. 365 times in the Bible, God is so clear about fear that he speaks to it so that we can speak to it every single day of the year. So I, I, I want you to know this. The reason it's in there is because mere mortals like me struggle with fear. We feel fear. Now, depending on your background in church, you may have been told that you can never admit that. 
And I, I know people that way. Well, you can't admit that you're afraid. If you admit that you're afraid, then you're saying you don't have any faith. And that's the part that you're going to struggle with a little bit today if you if you've believe that your whole life. Because I'm going to tell you something that's a little different. I'm going to tell you this, and here's your big idea. That bravery, because we're talking about today, we are brave. This is part of our This Is Us series. And so the things we are, we fill in the blank. Today is we are brave. Bravery recognizes fear, but doesn't authorize fear. That's what I'm going to show you in Scripture today. And let me explain what that means. I can recognize that I'm afraid and not give that fear place in my life. So what the Bible talks about when it says 365 times, do not fear, what it's saying is don't give fear a place of authority in your life. It's not saying deny that you feel afraid, right? Um, I, right now, and, and there was a day in youth ministry when I would have acted this out, but you can't do that anymore because people will get hurt. But if somebody busted through that back door, and they walked in the room, and they were twice as big as me, I'd be like, hmm, wonder what's happening. Now, if they started walking briskly up this middle aisle toward the stage, I would feel a few things. One, I'd feel wet in this general area, right? And two, I'd feel a little bit afraid. I'd be like, what is, what is getting ready to happen? And that, that fear would be real because that is a real person who is twice my size, and they would break me like a twig, right? I would also be looking around for um, Richard Kimmer, somebody, a, a man, somebody to come stop that person before they got to me. But I would feel a lot of emotions. Do you see what I'm saying? That's recognizing fear. If I stop preaching because that might happen, that's authorizing fear. Are you with me? You see the difference? Bravery that we're talking about today, bravery recognizes fear but does not authorize fear. This is huge, right? The Bible talks a lot about not being afraid, but the Bible is dealing with action more than emotion. Action more than emotion. Feeling afraid is natural. Living unafraid, that's supernatural, okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, be supernatural. I think you're going to be because I'm going to give you some tips, right? And I think you're going to be supernatural when we're done. So I want to show you this morning four areas where God wants us to be brave, okay? Four areas where God wants us to be brave. Um, bravery, I want you to know right up front, is not a thought. Um, we, we can think encouraging. We can think exciting. We can think courage-building thoughts all day long. My guess is you've bought posters. You've bought coffee mugs. We've got mouse pads that have encouraging scriptures on them. And when we read them, we like, yeah, right? I've been in prayer meetings where people, like, got in circles, and they started praying, and the longer they prayed, the louder they got, and, like, they were just, it was adrenaline everywhere, and it's like, yeah, amen, break, and nothing happened. Because what I want you to see right away up front is that bravery, we're called to be brave in what we do, in what we do, not just in what we think, but in what we do. Um, there's a passage in First Chronicles 28, verse 20, um, I read this the other day, and it just I was like, holy cow. It's a, that's as plain as you can say it. But to give you the context, David is Solomon's dad. David was this guy in the Old Testament. He was a king. He, was, he wanted to build a temple, and God told him he couldn't build a temple. So before he died, he got all the material that would be needed for the temple, like all the, every resource that his son Solomon would need, and he gave all that to Solomon. 
And this is what he said, because he wanted Solomon to build a temple. This is what he said in verse 20. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. You see that? Do the work. Just do the thing. And I think sometimes what we do is we think a lot of brave things. We think a lot of good thoughts. But when it comes right down to it, we don't do anything. What I want you to get out of this is that God wants us to do the stuff. Do the thing. The cowardly choice is to do nothing. The brave choice means doing something. And my guess is that for a lot of us in the room, if we look back over our lives, we can see areas where God has been calling us to do something. I mean, depending on how long you've been serving the Lord, you might have a ministry, a passion, a group of people that you feel drawn to. And for years now, you've been telling yourself, I think God wants me to do something in that area. And you haven't done anything. And this morning, if you don't get anything else out, stop at point number one and say to yourself, I'm going to do the courageous thing. I'm not going to do the cowardly thing, which is to do nothing. I'm going to do the courageous thing, the brave thing, and I'm going to do something in that area. Sometimes the thing that we have to do involves our mouth. It involves saying something. So we're called to be brave in what we do. We're also called to be brave in what we say. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is um, a story about a man named Micaiah. It's found in 1 Kings 22. We won't read the whole story. I'm going to let you look that up on another time, maybe this afternoon. Just read 1 Kings 22. What I want you to see, though, is that he was courageous in what he said. Now, just to make sure that we don't think this is just a Bible thing, anybody here ever known that you needed to say something hard to somebody that you love? Remember how you felt when that happened? You were like, ugh, I don't know if I want to say that. I don't know if I want to risk the relationship to say that hard thing. So in this chapter, what we find is these kings want to go to war because that happened a lot in the Old Testament. They wanted to go to war. They wanted to get some more land, take over some more people. And so they had these prophets. I think it was 400 prophets. And they said, hey, inquire of the prophets. Ask them to ask God if we should go to war so they asked the prophets, what did God say? And all the prophets were like, absolutely, you should go to war. Just go do that thing. And one of the kings stopped and said, wait a second. Don't you have any prophet who will actually tell you the truth? And he stopped and he thought, he's like, well, there's this one guy, his name is Micaiah. But I don't really like Micaiah because he always tells me what I want to hear. Do you have a Micaiah in your life? <laughs> Teenagers like my parents, Right. Like people that always tell you what you didn't want to hear. So they send for Micaiah. Micaiah is coming and on his way to the king. Now in this, back in this day, the kings had all the power. On his way to the king, the person who went to get him said, Now listen, Micaiah, every other prophet has told the king to go to war. So just get in line and do that. So when he gets to the king, the king asks him, Hey, Micaiah, should we go to war? So what do you think Micaiah said? Well, he was like me, a little sarcastic. So he was like, do it. Go to war. It'll be awesome. And the king said, Micaiah, how many times have I made you swear to me that you will only tell me the truth? So Micaiah says, yeah, okay, you're right. Don't go to war because God's not in it. And if you go to war, you'll die. The king didn't like the word. And so here's what the king said. Hey, listen, you're going to be put in jail until I get back from war. Now, just a um, Think about this. The courage to speak to power, the courage to speak truth to power in such a way that you're willing to risk your own liberty. 
Because he just told a king, if you go to war, you'll die. And the king said, well, I'm going to lock you up until I get back from war. So if what Micaiah said is true, Micaiah's not getting out of prison because the king's never come back from war. Are you with me? And that's exactly what happened, y'all. The king put him in prison. The king went off to war. The king was killed in battle. And if we never hear about Micaiah ever again in the Bible. So we don't really know what happened to Micaiah. But what we do know is that he was put in jail until the king returned, and the king never returned. So the likelihood that Micaiah spent the rest of his life in jail is good, or at least in jail until a new king came along. Now, let's make this practical. Let's talk about how we speak truth to power, if we're even willing to, right? And, and here's what I, we talk about social media a lot, and the reason we do is because, well, people are on it a lot, right? A lot of people love to talk truth to power. But I don't know that those people had the same heart that Micaiah had. Micaiah spoke truth to power because he wanted truth. I think sometimes we speak truth to power because we want the power. And if I can just speak truth to that power and and show that they're wrong, I'll get them out of the way and I can step into that place. Micaiah wasn't after power. He just wanted truth. And I want to encourage you, man, if you're in a position where you're, you know that you need to speak truth to somebody, speak truth into a relationship, into a circumstance, you're an employee at your job, and you know that you're supposed to speak truth to a situation, God wants to give you the courage so that you'll be brave. And at the gathering, we are brave, y'all. We want to speak truth. We want to have conversations that, yes, are full of grace, but also have truth. The cowardly choice is to say nothing, and some of us have taken that. But the courageous, the brave choice means saying something. So we're called to be brave in what we do. We're called to be brave in what we say. Here's the third way. We're also called to be brave in how we lead. I can hear your your thinking right now. Well, yeah, that's right, Paul. You know that because you're the leader. Well, yeah, it's true, and this has been a really tough season to lead people. But can we just squash that lie? You don't get off that easy. Home or here. Because if you're breathing, someone's watching you. You're leading somebody. If you're a parent, you know you're being watched, right? Like, you got these kids like this tall. Their eyes are like little beady eyes, and they're always watching you. Um, Our kids were super good at waking us up at night without, like, telling us they were going to, we would just roll over in the middle of the night, and they'd be like on the side of the bed going. There there are eyes watching y'all. Do you get what I'm saying? If If you work, if you lead a company, you've got employees that are watching you. You're influencing somebody. All of us are leaders. This is important for you to get. So tell the person next to you, you are a leader. The question is, how are you leading? How are we leading? And I'll, there's not a better example of this than Esther. Esther is a fantastic book in the Old Testament. If you are one of those people that's like, I don't like to read the Bible because the Bible's boring, just read Esther. It's got everything in it but the name of God, but God's all over that book. And what we find in Esther is this young lady who has been put into a position of being queen, and her people are facing extinction. 
And you, you may have heard this verse. It's got that famous line in it. But verse 14, her uncle is talking to her. And her uncle is, is encouraging her to speak truth to power, to actually go and be brave in how you lead, to do something with her actions that would set her people free or at least give them a chance. And he said, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Listen, God's going to take care of his people. He might not use you in the process if you don't have courage, but he will take care of his people. But you and your family's father, your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. What he's saying is God has placed you in your position of leadership for this moment. Mom and dad, it's for this moment. This very moment that you become a parent. You're a leader of a business. It's for this moment. You know what I feel like as a leader of this church? It's for this moment. It's for this moment that you've been put in that position. Not for some moment down the road. He's put you in that position so you'll have courage now. He's not looking for people to have courage when the thing is gone, right? So when, God, someday COVID's gone, whenever that is. Next week, please, God, right? Whenever that is, he's looking for people that will have courage now. And he's asking us to lead like that now. Who knows that you have come into position now for such a time as right now. And her response in verse 16, I want you to hear the bravery and the courage in her response. Go, gather all the Jews who were in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night for three days, night or day. I and my tenants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king. Which in that day was, you couldn't go to the king if you didn't have an appointment. He could kill you just for showing up. I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Listen, we're in a position now where we will, listen to this statement, we will lose the influence of our position if we don't walk in the integrity demanded of our position. She had a position. And her position demanded something of her. And if she had not stepped up to the plate and done what was required of the position, she would have lost it. And, and all of us, all, everybody say all. All of us are in that place right now. Not just me as a pastor. All of us. All of us are leading somebody. All of us have eyes watching how we're reacting to things. And if we don't live with the integrity that the position requires, we will find ourselves losing the influence that that position offers. And I'm so thankful that Esther stepped up, right? Hey, leadership, it costs us greatly, y'all. It's hard to lead people, isn't it, mom and dad, to make a decision that people might not like? It's hard. Courage is required. And I just want you to know that the, the cowardly choice is to stop leading. But the brave choice is to lead anyway. And I'm looking at a room full of leaders, right? Talking to leaders on the other side of that screen. And the cowardly choice would be, well, I'm going to stop for now and I'll just pick it up later when it's not so hard. But that's not who we are. No, we are brave. We are courageous. 
And the courageous thing is to lead anyway. And here's the last way that we're called to be brave. We are called to be brave in how we love. And there's no better example of this than Jesus. Jesus chapter 13. Um, what? Oh, I did. It's great. There's no better example of how to not preach than me, right? So John, John 13. That's fun. That's fun. Thanks for, thanks for speaking truth to power. I so appreciate that. And now I will squash you. I'm kidding. <laughs> so in John chapter 13, Jesus is getting ready to serve communion, his last supper. And, and here's, here's what he says or what, what John writes in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world. Stop there for a second. Look at me. Checklist people, raise your hand. Be proud. Come on, be proud. Checklist people. Um, at home, people are like, it's me. Um, if you're a checklist person... Jesus came to, he was sent by the Father to the world to love the world. And what did he just say? I've loved them. And if you're a checklist person, that's where you go, check. And if Jesus was a checklist person, he could just check that out. Well, I've done that. I, I've loved them. But what, what grabbed my heart, and I'm, I'm praying it grabs yours, Right? Because these are hard times. These are, these are different times. These are, these are times when it would be so easy to shrink back and, and not be courageous. But because we are brave, we have to lean into this. And I hope you catch this. The last part of that verse says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that's the part that takes courage. All of us have people in our lives that have let us down, right? And we've let people down. All of us have let people down and we've been let down. All of us in those moments can probably take a step back and say, well, I loved them, check, too bad they didn't receive it. But Jesus loved them to the end. And I want to make sure you know that what happened, what happened after he made that statement. After he decided, I'm going to love them to the end. After that verse, he, he served communion to somebody who would betray him. He washed the feet of somebody who was going to deny him. He, he went to a, a cross after being in a garden and sweating drops of blood. And, and we've all heard that, but here's what I've realized when I was reading the Bible, which is a good thing to do. He went to the garden, and he said to his disciples, y'all come with me. I'm going to go a little further away to pray. And he turned to his three closest disciples and said, come with me. And he asked them to pray with him. And then, do you remember what they did? <laughs> Can anybody relate to this? Like you're laying in bed at night, and you're like, God, I'd, I love you with all my. Right? Like we, we, we can relate to that. But what, 
what really got me, and I think that you'll be able to relate to this too, and I hope that you can, is that none of us are able in this season to, like, take the, the prize for, I've been hurt the most because all of us have experienced the same thing. Jesus, this might mess with your theology a little bit, Jesus needed something in that moment. He turned to his three closest friends and said, I need you to pray with me. Jesus, Son of God, the whole deal, made himself vulnerable to three close friends. And those three close friends, in his moment of greatest need, fell asleep. Now, I know that we can't all relate to what Jesus experienced on the cross, right? None of us died for the sins of the whole world. But I bet all of us can relate to that. I bet every one of us can relate to what it must have felt like when Jesus stepped back after after pouring his heart out to God, after being so grief-stricken that he would drop sweat drops of blood, went back and found James, John, and Peter drooling and sleeping when he asked them to keep watch with him. It takes courage in those moments to love the people who have let us down. And I say this as a pastor, as a, just a person, the cowardly choice is to stop loving. It's also the easiest one. But the brave choice, the courageous choice, is to love anyway. Now, at this point, all of us could be feeling like, holy cow, what in the world? Like, I feel terrible, and maybe I should have done these things differently, and oh, gosh, like, where are we heading with this? And I want to wrap it all up, hopefully, in a way that makes a lot of sense, because you're going to, you can feel um, like, oh, God, I'm going to let people down, and they're going to let me down, and what do I do with that? And I just want to, I want to show you how the gospel changes that, okay? So, when the Bible says, do not fear 365 times, we know it's talking about action, not feeling, right? The Bible recognizes that we're going to feel afraid, but he, the Bible doesn't want us to live in fear, okay? So, in the New Testament, it's Greek that's used. And every time fear is talked about in the New Testament, it's usually the Greek word phobia. And hang on here. We get our word phobia from the Greek word phobia. It makes sense because it's the same sounding word, right? So, when we talk about not being afraid, it's always about phobia. Except for one place in the New Testament. And it's the verse that we always quote when we tell people not to be afraid. It's found in 2 Timothy 1.7. I bet you've heard this. The New International Version says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I bet you've heard it from a version that says this. For God has not given you a spirit of... And do you know what? We preach that all the time to people and say, Stop being afraid. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And that's the one verse in the New Testament where the Greek word phobia is not used. It's a completely different Greek word, and it's only used that one time because it doesn't mean fear. You know what it means? Cowardly. There's a reason why at every one of these four that we've talked about, I have said that the cowardly choice is one thing, but the courageous choice is another. The brave choice is another. God's not, he's not, afraid of you feeling fear. He doesn't want you to, to allow that fear to cause you to choose the cowardly option instead of the courageous one. So much so that he says in 2 Timothy 1.7, 
I didn't give you a spirit that makes you a coward. I gave you dynamite. I gave you the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. I actually gave you the get up and go to go do what I've called you to do. And, and if you think about it, again, don't think about choices necessarily. Like this is not a, 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 a message to say things like, well, if you're doing this, then that means that you're a coward. And if you're doing, but what I am saying to you is this, every situation in your life, the things that are happening in our, in our culture right now, do I get a shot? Do I not get a shot? Do I wear a mask? I, do I go out in public? Do I not go out? I mean, it's so easy to go, well, if you make choice A, that means that you're a coward. If you make choice B, that means you're not. No, no, no. God's after the heart. What's ruling you? Fear, fear doesn't, it wants to rule over you, but bravery recognizes fear. It doesn't authorize it. And so what we have to do is stop and ask ourselves, in my life right now, what is ruling me? Is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes me courageous and brave ruling me, or is fear ruling me? What have I given authority over me in my life? And I want to encourage you this morning, give the Holy Spirit authority in your life to do the brave thing, to say the brave thing, and to not take the cowardly way out. To lead with courage, to love with courage, because we are brave. So I want this morning, I want to end it by praying over you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to think at home and here in the, in the building. I'm going to ask you to think about those four areas of your life, right? Is there something that you need to say? Is there something you need to do? Is there somebody you need to lead? Is there somebody that you need to love? And you are finding yourself in a position where you are choosing not to do any of those things. And where you're starting to authorize fear in those areas of your life. And allow fear to rule over you. And so this morning I want to pray over you like this. I want to pray that you would visualize God literally setting a stick of dynamite on fire and throwing it into that situation because he wants to blow up the fear and remove it. He wants to give you power so that not only will you, you might recognize fear and you might feel fear, but you're not going to live in fear any longer. And this is so important because church, God is calling his bride to do things, to say things, to lead places, to love people. He's calling his bride to courage. So, God, we wrap this morning up just praying over those that are in this house. I pray over those that are watching. And, God, I pray that you would stir us to courage and bravery. Because there are things to say and do. There are people to lead in love. And you are looking for your children to walk in courage and in bravery. Whatever that looks like in different areas and contexts. I pray that you would help us, God, to do what we do with boldness and courage to say what we say with boldness and courage and to lead and love people with boldness and courage and that people would look at us and say they are brave. 
and it would just allow us to point them to you because you're the one that put the dynamite in us to begin with. We thank you for it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so get out of here. Go do the things. Say the things. Lead and love people. Do it with courage. We love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.